Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. We're going to be at Daniel chapter 1 in our Bibles today. If you want to turn there, Daniel chapter 1. And I love starting the year off thinking about planning for, projecting into the future. It really gives us an opportunity to recalibrate and really refocus ourselves in the right direction. Um, maybe you heard this story. This is a fun one. Uh, there was a man who uh, was on the horizon of, of seeing some great change in his life. And there they are. They're all waiting in the hospital. There were actually four men there in the hospital waiting room because their wives were having babies. And a nurse, approach, a nurse approaches the first guy and says, congratulations, you're the father of twins. He, the man says, that's odd. He says, I, I actually work for the Minnesota twins. That's crazy. The nurse then yells to the second man, congratulations, you're the father of triplets. The man says, that's weird. Uh, I, I actually work for the 3M company. A nurse goes to the third man and says, congratulations, you're the father of quadruplets. Strange, he answers, I work for Four Seasons Hotel. The last man begins groaning and banging his head up against the wall. What's wrong, sir? What's wrong, sir? He says, I work for 7-Up. <laughs> <laughs> the unknowns, the unknown changes that are on the horizon for our year. I don't know what happened for you last year, good or bad, but unknowns, that's for sure. A lot of unknowns, a lot of planned, um, but that's the adventure of every year. Um, there will be all kinds of unknowns and changes that will come, and if you haven't learned yet, you can't control the future. You can try. We try to wrap our hands around it and control it as much as we can because we want it to go a certain way. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't project, we shouldn't plan. We're going to talk about that a lot today. But I also want to ask you to learn and grow to, in Jesus' name, to hold things with open hands unto the Lord. And to hold things like this. You're still holding them. They're still yours. But you're offering them to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want? What do you have planned? What are you up to with my work? What are you up to with my family? What are you up to with my marriage? What are you up to with my life, with my purpose? What are you up to? What do you want to do? And it is far better to hold things with open hands because if something is taken from you, then you're okay and you're able to be at rest. While it might not be easy to work through, at least we hold them with open hands. But if we hold them with clenched fists, when they are ripped from our hands, then our countenance falls, huh? And we're overwhelmed. But I want to encourage you today. We can offer them to the Savior, to the Lord, to our Father, the one who knows what's best for us. Amen? We offer them with open hands, not to somebody in the crowd or somebody in the city or somebody in our family or friends that we can't trust or don't know if they can handle it correctly. We don't offer it to them with open hands. No, no. We offer it to the Lord with open hands. And he will do what is best now, won't he? 2023, can you believe it? Time is, is an interesting thing. We are, as people, trapped within certain barriers each day, each season, each year. 
We are only limited to a certain amount of years on the earth, and no, no one can get away from that. The sun sets and rises at certain times each day, and our bodies desire to sleep when it's dark, and our eyes are open when the sun is brought upon them. If you've never experienced that or haven't in a long time because we live in a city, go camping one time. It's amazing how the darkness and the fire will cause your eyes to close and how the sun in the morning hitting on your tent magically, you're up at 536, like bright-eyed, ready to go. Though we have been able to scale these seasons to some degree, farmers have not been able to for thousands of years. And even though we have been able to scale them, it doesn't mean our bodies and minds aren't adhering to them. Days are over with a day's work and a few errands run. Days are over so fast that weeks pass by and before you know it, you're thinking, wow, it's already Friday. Our lack of paying attention to months result in the passing into the next thing, thinking, wow, it's already fall, it's already summer, it's gone, and here are the holidays. And before you know it, another year has passed, and you can't believe it's 2023. No one escapes time, and it is the most valuable commodity you have on the planet. If you had a bank that credited your account each morning with $86,000, that carried over no balance from day to day, allowed you to keep no cash in your account, and every evening canceled whatever part of the amount you failed to use that day, what would you do? Well, you would draw out every cent every day, of course, and you would use it to your advantage, right? Well, you have such a bank, and its name is Time. Every morning it credits you with 86,400 seconds. Every night it rules off as loss, whatever of this you failed to invest to good purpose. It carries over no balances. It allows no overdrafts. Each day it opens a new account with you. And if you fail to use the day's deposits, the loss is yours. There is no going back. There is no drawing against tomorrow. Time is passing, and how do you want to spend it this year? I was thinking this through the last couple weeks because I'm learning this more and more as a Christian. The more that I walk with the Lord, the more I really think about this. That we need to stop planning to enjoy life in the future and get on enjoying life now. Stop planning to enjoy life then and get on enjoying it now. Why does being a Christian cause me to think that way? Because I am called to love God with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and I am called to love my neighbor as myself. And when I think about these two things put together, loving God with all my heart, it brings forth joy, peace, and rest in my life, and it causes me to overflow and love the person next to me, my neighbor next to me. And when I connect those dots, it causes me to think about why am I not enjoying life if I'm loving God, the one who made me, and loving my neighbor? How in the world can that not be an enjoyable life, but a miserable one instead? This makes no sense. After all, Jesus was the happiest man to ever walk the earth, yet he also was and carried the most sorrow. He carried both. 
And I am telling you that we are to be burdened for the world around us, but not overtaken by it. And we are to be filled with enjoyment. There are a lot of reasons we can't find enjoyment, a lot of things pulling at us, and so people make resolutions, right? 2023 resolution time. Here are the top 10 resolutions that people make each and every year, and I'll give you my quick tips for each of them because it's just fun. What do you say? I'm not an expert on these things. I'll just give them to you. Top 10 resolutions. Number one, to lose weight. It's pretty simple. Find healthy foods you love and enjoy and just start eating those. There's no magic pill, honestly. Maybe intermittent fasting, that's a magic pill, but find healthy foods you love and enjoy it. Second, people want to get organized. Uh, get organized, and um, I think setting a day or a time to organize each week or each month uh, will help us, or it, else, it actually will never happen. I mean, it's what I found in my own life. If I don't set it, schedule it, plan something, even rest, or a hobby, doing something fun, or whatever it may be, I'll just burn up my time doing all kinds of random stuff. Uh, people want to spend less and save more. It's real simple. Only buy what you need, not what you want. And then when you want to buy what you want, you'll have what you need. And uh, that's the circle. But our society pulls us into spending more and saving less. Um, there's great apps for this. My favorite is the Mint app uh, for tracking finances or Truebill. This is another great one. Number four, people want to enjoy life to the fullest. I think the only way to accomplish this is to actually plan rest. You got to plan it in the year. I was just talking with my wife about it. We're like, we're going to plan out the year of spending time as a family at rest. What does it look like? How are we going to do this? Um, plan vacay. Uh, it's very important, or it'll never happen. You keep saving and saving and planning and planning. And it's amazing. We plan for retirement, and we get to retirement, and then we don't retire. Um, so why don't we start enjoying today? Staying fit and healthy. Again, very simple, very easy. Just find a workout you enjoy and do that. Stop doing what everybody else tells you to do. Uh, figure out something you like to do. Uh, number six, learn something exciting. For me, Audible has been amazing. Um, I love listening to books. I do so in the gym every day. I just listen and listen, listen and consume. People want to quit smoking, I guess. Um, this is number seven. Uh, the fast way to do that is work on fasting. It will enable you to control your cravings and your abilities. Just fast for one day a week. Say, I'm not going to eat. Tell your body no all day. And then you will empower yourself to be able to tell yourself no in other areas of life. It's a spiritual principle, but a physical and ancient principle as well. Uh, number eight is they want to people want to help others in their dreams And I think the best way to do it is be an encourager and not a fixer uh, A lot of times we want to fix people's problems instead just be an encourager uh, Number nine people want to fall in love Oh, baby, I want to fall in love Well, you attract what you are sorry Focus on being the right person and you will attract the right person. It's very simple um, number 10, people want to spend more time with family. And again, I, uh, we, we try to schedule it as much as we can, or it's just become a habit, really. But family time every week, one day off, one date night, if you can pull that off. Um, these things are, are, again, very important. They're, they're things that everyone's thinking about. And so I thought I'd just approach them head on before we dive into our text. But um, 
Maybe you're wondering, I, I mean, I'll, I'll confess and be honest that as I grow older, my resolutions have become uh, more simplified and um, there aren't major things necessarily that I need or want to work on. I have some very simple focused things and I think now more than ever, my focus is on my family. I want to spend more time making memories with my wife and with my babies, with Eden and Shep and Wes. And I'm not going to let time get past me. This is a special time that I can never get back. So I'm focusing on saying no to more things. I have a lot of things pulling at me all the time, trying to get me to do this, trying to get me to do that. And they're fun things and they're great things. But it's been very hard for me to say no in my life. I don't know why. I'm a people pleaser. I like to say yes to people. I like to commit to everything and be excited and pump people up and have a good time. I love that. But again, in order, uh, in order to, to make these memories, I, I must be able to, to focus myself in a different direction. This is vastly different from uh, my 20s and uh, the way that I was living, the way that I was thinking and, and my pursuit. But at this stage of life, that's where I'm at. Memories are more important than stuff. Did you know that? Memories make me more happy than an Apple Watch. And so I will spend more money and more time making memories than buying stuff. What is the stuff for who really cares? It's so interesting though, because if you capture a couple of those memories on your phone, now you go back and you look at that picture, you watch that video over and over, like, that was such a magical time. And I want to do more of that. I want to enjoy more people. I want to enjoy more of life. Again, I want to get on loving God, loving people around me, and enjoying life as best I can because I believe that is the most attractive thing to the gospel. Then when we hit the storms, then when we hit the hardship of life, and people watch us anchor into the Lord, and they see the joy and the peace within us as we're loving him and loving the people around us and trying to make life beautiful along the way. That is extremely attractive in this city. And this is what draws people to Christ. Statistics say that only 8% of people are successful in achieving their resolutions. People who explicitly make resolutions are 10 times more likely to attain their goals than people who don't do anything at all. And so I would encourage you as we talk today, as we work through this, take out your phone, take out your journal. Would you jot down things that are speaking to you? Maybe I say something, it's not even what I'm saying, but it sparks something else. Like, you know what, I really want to think about that. I want to pray about that. I want to talk about that. Really take time to write some things down or take some, if you got the photographic memory, take some, uh, some digital notes there in your brain and, and save those for later. The reason people don't keep their resolutions or goals is because they have not truly purposed and made the decision in their hearts. They then plan how they're going to do it. And this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to look at today. Resolving our lives to do what we desire. Resolved in the new year. We're in Daniel chapter 1. Would you stand for the reading of God's word? Sorry for the long intro. Um... We will really highlight a single point in this passage and build upon that. But let's read some context. Daniel chapter 1. And we'll read to verse 16. Take a look at your text. 
In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to that to the house of his gods, and he brought the vessels into the treasury of his god. Then the king said for Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal seed and of the nobles. Use in whom was no defect, who were good-looking in appearance, showing insight in every branch of wisdom, being thoroughly knowledgeable and discerning, uh, discerning knowledge, and who had the ability to stand in the king's palace. And he said for them to teach them literature in the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank, and appointed that they should be educated three years, at the end of which they were to stand before the king. Now among them was the sons of Judah, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Then the commander of the officials set names for them, and for Daniel he set the name Belshazzar for Hananiah, Shadrach for Meshach, and Meshach for Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel set in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now God granted Daniel loving kindness and compassion before the commanders and the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the King, who has appointed your food and your drink, for why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths who are your own age? And you would make me forfeit my head to the King. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then our appearance be observed for you and the appearance of your youth who are eating the king's choice food and deal with your servants according to who, what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, it was seen that their appearance was better than that. And they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and the wine they were to drink and kept giving them vegetables. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this story. We thank you for this picture. We thank you that you enabled Daniel to resolve in his heart not to eat of the king's food and drink of the king's wine, not to sit at the king's table as the world would. But he sat at your table, the king of all kings. And he resolved in his heart to worship you and to walk with you. And you blessed him. And you granted him favor. We ask, Lord, that you would do the same for us today. That you'd help us to find resolve within our own hearts about the most important things in life. That this year would be fruitful and glorifying to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Our story begins with the king, Nebuchadnezzar, besieging Jerusalem. And he took some of the precious elements from the temple of God, and he placed them in his own temple to his own God. Then King Nebi called one of his chiefs to search through the land for young men who were great spokesmen for his kingdom. And Daniel was chosen 
to be one of those. Now, Daniel worshiped the Lord. He knew the Lord very, very well. He loved the Lord. He prayed to him every day. He walked with the Lord, and God would give him favor. And now here he is standing before the king, Nebuchadnezzar, with his three friends. And the king wanted these young men to be trained in the highest schooling and brainwashed with his worldview. So the king gave these young men chosen all the finest things, including the best food, filet mignon every single night, wine from the king's table. He had a cellar like no eye has ever seen. From 1000 BC, the finest wine for the table. This is a Cabernet, a red, and you're going to enjoy this. And Daniel says, no, 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 this is not for me. All you can eat and all you can drink at the king's table. Now, it wasn't that Daniel was against these things. I'm sure he loved nice food and a glass of wine. But what was he doing? He knew that the king was trying to win his heart and mind over to the ways of the world. And so he, he purposed in his heart. He resolved in his heart that he would not let this happen. But while all these fine things were being given to these young men, Daniel, again, he had purposed in his heart that he wouldn't disobey God by eating this unclean food and drinking the wine of a pagan king. He went so far as to ask the master chef in charge of the food if he would be allowed to not eat or drink any of it. Excuse me, chef? Yes. How can I help you? Um, I don't want to eat any of the food. I don't want to drink any of the wine. What are you talking about? This is the best food on the planet. This is the nicest wine you're ever going to drink. Are you nuts? Please, please. And then you can test me in 10 days and see if my face, and my countenance, and my de demeanor is better than those eating and drinking day and night. For they would be gluttons and drunks every night for 10 days. Daniel had resolved in his heart not to obey the king, but to obey God. How did he get there? How did he get there? This doesn't just happen on day one. You don't just decide the day you get there, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. No, no, he had resolved in his heart long ago. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, take a look at your text. You can circle this word resolve. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. He had to have the bravery. He had to have the boldness. He had to have the conviction to stand before the master chef and the guy in charge of all the food and everything going on and tell him to his face, potentially knowing he would tell the king, but he had to do it. He stood there in boldness and was able to speak clearly to him, please, please, a diplomat, that's for sure. Please, I don't want to eat or drink this. How did he get there? He didn't magically show up on that day. He had been planning and preparing. God had been planning and preparing his heart. It had happened through resolve in his life day after day after day for years prior that led him to the moment where he said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. So let me ask you, if you stood before a king today, would you be able to say no to him when he opens the door of gold things, when he opens the door of sin? 
Interesting to think about. Not many can stand before a king and say no. Resolve, the word means to settle or find a solution, a problem, dispute, or contentious matter. To decide firmly on a course of action. The NASB says, but Daniel made up his mind. Concrete. I love this. And I am convinced that had the Lord not saved me when I was young, 16, 17 years old, as I, if I did not have a dad who took us to church every Sunday and as I watched him worship the Lord on the organ and the piano, if I did not see those things and experience those things, had God not showed me the Bible at 17 years old and I started reading through it, had not, I not been brought into the church and made decisions when I was young, I'm not going to do that or I'm not going to go there. I want to keep my eyes on the Lord. I'm telling you this, if you look at my past, I'm nowhere near perfect. God, I, I messed up so much. I messed up so many things. But I'm telling you, had I not resolved in those things when I was young, who knows where I would be? Who knows how far I would have gone? But because I resolved, and because God strengthened that resolve, I believe it's why I'm here preaching you on the pulpit today. That's how you get there. And men and women who resolve to stay married for 40, 50 years, don't do that on a whim. Newsflash. They don't say, eh, what do you think? You want to stay married 50 years? What do you think? You want to do it? Okay, let's do it. No, 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 no. They've been thinking, praying, planning, projecting, and they plan to work on this for decades into the future, and they're not letting anything get in their way. They have resolve. We're going to work. We're going to plan. We're going to prepare. We're going to grow together, no matter what the obstacle. And that's the kind of resolve we need in this day and age. It's so sad to watch this next generation basically don't want to get married. It literally, statistically, literally saying like, why? People used to get married in Jesus' day around 14 or 15 years old. Did you know that? And it's like, well, you know, early 20s and it's mid-20s and then it's 30s and it's 35. Now it's really 40s are kind of like time maybe to start family and life. Not a bad thing. It's a great thing. It's a good thing. I'm happy for those making steps in those directions. We should be. This is a good thing. God wants to bless us with this. But at the same time, it's telling of what's happening in our culture. Nobody wants to get married because they're just like that. That, that's how you lose all the fun in life. I'm discovering more and more as we just walk with the Lord, as I just choose to love my wife, as I choose to love my kids every day, saturate myself with them. Man, I love this adventure. I have jumped off cliffs. I have hang glided off mountains. I've stood on the pyramids in, in Egypt. Yes, I did. I, I rode through the Wadi Rum Desert in Jordan. I've lived in Mexico, done so many crazy things in life, and I'm just telling you, like, nothing compares to what I've found in my family. Nothing on the earth. Of course, the Lord is my number one, and that's what strengthens my family. But I'm telling you, there's no greater treasure. There is no greater joy. I can't purchase it. I can't find it anywhere on the planet, private jets, fun stuff, all these things are fantastic. They've been great. We had a great time. 
But at the end of the day, I don't care anymore. The stuff doesn't even matter to me. When I'm an old man, I'm 70, 80, 90 years old, I don't care. I want to make memories with my family, with my kids. I want to see people come close to God. These are the things that are rich for me. I want to purpose that now in my heart so that maybe one day that will happen or continue to happen. Don't trust that you'll make the right decision in the moment. You will not. I will confess I do not trust myself. I've been watching myself for 40 years now. I know me. I do not trust myself. So I plan, project, and try to keep myself focused in walking with the Lord. I create roadblocks all around me with brotherhoods, with accountability, with community, with being focused in on my wife and my kids as much as I can. Good godly people and friendship will anchor us long term. Because our sinful hearts will help us make wrong decisions all the time. I promise you, it still happens. That's why credit cards are so profitable now, aren't they? That's why Vegas works, Sin City. That's why Black Friday is a rage. No one is thinking, no one's planning, just impulse. This is why many live check to check, paycheck to paycheck because they choose not to control their spending. This is why people can't stay healthy and health insurance just keeps going up because they know they are betting on the fact that you will be more sick next year and you can't get out of it. It's a great business if you wanna make money. If we do not plan and project, if we do not resolve anything in life, we must plan on living in our continued pattern of bad decisions. Daniel was not going to compromise his relationship with God. It was number one to him, and he was going to walk in obedience no matter what. That's powerful. If we just get a generation of young people to do that, literally 10,000 young people just said, we will walk in obedience with the Lord. I don't give a rip who you are. We're not obeying the ways of the world. We're going to walk with the Lord. We're going to walk in obedience. I don't care what flashy things you have. It's not attractive to me. I want the Lord, I'm gonna walk with him. Can you imagine 10,000, a million youth doing something like that? It would revolutionize the surface of our culture and we would see the next generation loving and serving each other instead of hating and tearing down and destroying each other. Making forever decisions that are not selfish is not something natural. It is only supernatural, and God has to intervene. God has to empower our hearts. We need to fully depend on him to help us. Legacy family, the gospel has changed us forever, and we no longer worship the kings of this world. Do you know that? We don't worship the kings of this world. Hello, I'm a king of this world. Oh, nice to meet you. You're not the king. Jesus is the king. Sorry. What? Don't disrespect me like that. I'm a king. Ah, you're just a human like me that has been given more power and opportunity. But I hope that you would use that power to love and serve other people instead of wielding power and demanding I call you a king. This is crazy. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. 
Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Legacy family, resolve about life comes to our hearts because of the change God brings in us. We can't help but want to resolve or make up our mind about who we are and who we will be in life. We can't help it because he is our king. And he has called us to love him and walk with him and to love and serve the people around me. And so, hey, when I stop doing that or when I choose to try to hurt somebody, my neighbor next to me, I'm convicted and I'm taken back and I'm pulled to the side and God calls me to stand in truth again, to stand in love again, and to get on serving him. And gosh, we need this govern in our life now, don't we? My brother just got my, uh, my nephew uh, a dirt bike for Christmas. Thing is sweet. It's a little 90. I think he, uh, he's like maybe 11 years old, something like this. And, um, and I love that the thing like tops out at like 10 miles an hour. It's like, meh, you know. Sounds great. Maybe it's not 10. Maybe it's 20 miles an hour. But you know what I mean. It has a govern on it. It stops. Me giving my allegiance to this king, the King Jesus, the Lord of all lords, giving my allegiance to him sets a govern in my life. And I may right, run right up to that edge and cross it at times. Or maybe I even want to sprint to the other side at times. But where do I find myself coming back? Praise God we come back to him. And he keeps us. He's a gracious king. He's not mad at you. Did you know that? You feel guilty, but he's not mad at you. He loves you. He got mad at his own son for you. He's a father who loves his kids. I love this idea of resolving in our hearts and minds, purposing, making up our minds about the future, about what we will do and how we will act in obedience to the Lord because of what he's done. We will walk with the Lord all the days of our lives. We will stay married no matter what. We will raise godly families. We will use our lives and work and social media and everything else to glorify God. We will make disciples. We will accomplish the purpose and mission God has given to us in this city. Why are you here? Why has God placed you here? What has he purposed in you to do? We must resolve in that and figure out what it is. And as we set these stones in place, I'm telling you, life gets a lot easier. I should say a lot more simple. Maybe not easy. Because it's not easy to walk the narrow road with the Lord in a city like this. But it is definitely simplified. You know your purpose. You know your direction. You know where you're going. They need few resolution whose lives are already resolved. They need very few resolutions whose lives are already resolved. Well, what are your resolutions this year? Um, well, the same as last year, the same as the year before, the same as the year before. I don't know. I'm just going to keep doing the things I've already resolved. 
Maybe a tweak here and a tweak here. But these pillars, these bricks, these things, these roots, these trees are set in my life. And I will water them and grow them to produce great fruit. I don't care about all the other ones. Psalm 90.12, teach us to number our days that we may gain hearts of wisdom. You see, if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. I don't need to think or project or plan or do any of that. Then you'll hit nothing. You'll aim at it and hit nothing every single time. We master our minutes or we become slaves to them. We use time or time uses us. We don't need to become sticklers about every single second. Let's not do that. But let's at least know where we're going. We like new cars, huh? We like new everything now, don't we? Just like new. Like it's new. New car smell, new pair of socks. Isn't that nice? New pair of underwear. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. New pair of shoes, a new experience, new tasty foods, new music, new opportunities. Why do we love new? I think it's because we are all looking for the day when everything will be made new again. Restored, perfect forever, and that's why people love a new year, a fresh start. We long for the day when Jesus, the King, will establish his kingdom on the earth and make all things new. We have an opportunity on this day, January 1st, 2023, to make decisions for this year for our church and for our lives individually. I want to go over the six roots of legacy very, very quickly. The trees that we have planted for this church that will never change as long as I'm here. It's going to stay the same forever and ever, even if I live another hundred years. We are not getting away from these things. These are our roots. This is the vision for our church. Number one root is the gospel on Sundays. We have resolved to worship God on Sunday. It's never changing. I don't care what lands on Sunday, what holiday. We're never canceling it. We will be worshiping God every Sunday all the way into eternity, okay? Are you having church on Sunday? Yes. What about that Sunday? Yes. Are you sure? Even that every single Sunday until eternity. Is that clear? You never have to call or text in or email. Is there church this Sunday? Yes. I know you sometimes time. We've messed up on the time stuff. Acts 2.42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the sharing of meals, and to prayer. And they met on the first day of the week, Sunday, the day Jesus rose from the dead. That's why we meet on Sundays. Route two is the gospel and community. We have resolved to grow in community and family. The gospel in community and family. We have resolved to build good friendships around people who love God. And we have resolved to make sure the gospel is in our family. That we are praying with our families. We're praying that we're worshiping in our homes. That we are pointing our kids towards the Lord. Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, as all the more you see the day drawing near. Route number three is the gospel in our families. Resolving to make disciples within our family, and as I said before, resolving to stay married. This is so important. This is an end game. This is going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's just something that must happen in a Christian family. Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, 
and our heart, soul, and with all your might. And the, these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. It should be a very natural part of who we are. Our kids naturally take on the gospel because we walk with the Lord. Route number four is the gospel in our city. We are resolved to reach our city with the gospel. Legacy will never stop reaching into the city with the gospel, loving and serving our neighbor, loving and serving our city, looking for ways and opportunities to bring the gospel right here in our city. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Route number five is the gospel in our work. We spend a lot of time at work, but we have resolved to use our work for God's glory. If you're a teacher, doctor, lawyer, you work in entertainment, you run a business, you run a Fortune 500 company, or you're at home being a mom or a dad, or you buy and sell real estate, or you do construction, you work retail, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Bring him glory in what you do. Figure out how to use your craft to point to him. And root number six is the gospel in missions. We have resolved to be on mission and make disciples for the rest of our lives. Here immediately in this city, we have, we have worked to do mission work here in L.A., whether it is soup kitchens here or helping with needs in the area or down on Skid Row, or to go to the, uh, the state next to us or to the country next to us to work down in Mexico to cross the waters and go to Malawi and minister there. It, is, it has been amazing to see the work that has carried out over the last eight years, digging wells, funding there in Ukraine as well, in Russia. And we have had lots of missionaries go back to love and serve people all over the world. The gospel and missions must continue, must remain. We've been very slow to do this in the last couple of years because of all that's happened. But man, we got to get back to it in full force and full effect. We must prioritize our lives or oftentimes we are clouded and can't see what we will regret at the end of our life. And Proverbs says, Proverbs says, or the psalmist says in Psalm 90, teach us to number our days that we may gain hearts of wisdom to number them. And the way you do that is you fast forward to the end of life and lay there on your deathbed. Put yourself there and think about it. Say, what's important? And this is how I've prioritized things that I thought were most important and I've tried to work on prioritizing them within my own life of levels of importance or value, not how many hours spent doing it because that would make work the most important thing. No, no, value more than hours. Number one, I think on my deathbed when I'm laying there, I'm gonna think about my relationship with God. Should be top priority. Number two, I think I'm gonna think about my relationship with my spouse. Number three, I think I'm gonna think about the relationships with my family my kids, my friends. Look at this. All, all three of these are all relationships. Then I, I think I'm going to think about my church. 
and what was going on there, the rhythms of church, what did it look like in my life. Now, for those of you deeply involved in the church, this is a no-brainer. It's already happening. You have family and friendships here. But for those who show up to church once a month or show up to church once a year, th this is a rhythm that doesn't exist yet, and they don't even know yet. But to prioritize it is very important to connect with your church family. Then number five would be work and school. Those are the last things I'm thinking about on my deathbed. Work? Who cares? Life's over. And then number six, the last priority is I'm thinking about my hobbies. Man, I wish I would have caught another wave. I should have jammed on my guitar a little more. It's fun, but I kind of wish I would have focused my life on the Lord a bit more. I wish I would have spent more time with my wife. I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. I kind of don't care about all this other stuff. When we resolve the big things in our hearts first, the smaller things around it just happen. In closing, listen to this as we go to the communion table. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Are you ready? Now, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I don't know what has happened to you this past year, what beautiful things have come. I don't know what kind of disasters have come upon you, but I want you to know that Christ is with you. And it is time to let go of the issues of the past, and it's time to reach forward to the prize that lies ahead of you. You can't change the past and the way you reacted to it, but you can change your future. You can make good decisions now. You can make up your mind. And you can resolve in your heart to walk with Jesus more this year than ever before. You can resolve to love and serve those around you better. You can resolve to spend more quality time and make more memories with your family and friends. You can pursue a healthier life for God's glory by the power of Christ who feels and strengthens you. He will carry you through the suffering and the pain. He will sustain you through the hardship as you call upon him this year. Let's dedicate 2023 to him. Amen? Amen. In Jesus' name. We're going to pray, and we're going to enter into a time of communion. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the work that you're doing in us. And Lord, we look forward to this next year. We look forward to the great work that you will do in us. And Lord, we ask as we start this year, this first day on the first year of, of this year, Lord, I ask that you would please ready our hearts. As we enter into communion, would you make our hearts and our minds right with you? I pray that we just allow everything to slow down, just to calm ourselves before you, to look to you, and to really just soak in the worship and soak in the time of thinking about you and thinking about our lives and what you want to do and confessing the past and looking forward to the future. Lord, I pray that you would renew our spirits and renew our hearts and resolve some powerful things within us right now as we partake of these elements, as we partake of the bread, as we partake of the cup, with that communion with one another and that communion with you happen as we worship together. 
Would you anchor us in you and ready us for this year? Prepare our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.